Hey there, going my way? Well, where are you going? I have no idea. It's Schmanners! Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Is that what we were doing? Because, like, you started doing that. I mean, no, you started doing it. No, you started. It. No. no, I think. Let the record show. Stenographer, read it back. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> Thank you. Stenographer, who's always here when we record. Hi, yes. Teresa. Hello. How are, how are you? Let's not do an episode this week. Let's just catch up and talk, you know? But I did all this research. Oh, man. Oh. So, here's the thing. I want to start off by saying, we have done a car-related episode before. Yes, in the way of, like, car tripping, car pooling with your friends. Like, if you are the driver and you're driving your car and you're going down the road, Mr. Hot Rod, Mr. Rubber... I got off track. Um... Mr. Hot Wheels. I'm going to need you to turn that down. Oh, I'm trying so hard. It's just late at night. I'm a little sleepy. Turn energy, it down. My energy peaks at 8 p.m. now. <laughs> I can tell. Um, it's weird. <laughs> it's unhealthy. And it's unnatural. Um, and I'm worried about myself. I'm uh, worried about you, too, for I'm on many that reasons. Franklin's sleep schedule. Oh, um, so, but here's the thing. I, somebody, oh, I'm going to look it up while we talk. Because somebody brought up in, in the uh, Schmanner's email... The idea of doing like a ride share specific episode. And I think that that is so brilliant because it's I think it is a much different kind of scenario. It is. Well, it has to do with relationship, right? The relationship of you and the driver and you and the car and the car and like the way that you're using it. Right. Because when you're driving your own car or riding in a car with a friend who is driving, there are a lot more things that are more in your control. Whereas when you step into a car that you don't know with a person that you don't know, there are a lot of different social factors that go into that. Especially, I think that, and I think there's a much different kind of scenario for like, so for example, I think getting into a taxi is just a much more established thing than like Lyft and Uber and rideshare, things like that. And I think that's because a taxi driver is considered a professional, right? Yes. Whereas Uber and Lyft and other like, I guess there's one called like City something, City, I don't know. Anyway, um, those are people where this is like a side hustle for them most of the time. That was LaCroix I just popped up and I just don't want people thinking like, <laughs> ah, it's Miller time. No, I'm uh, having a limb in LaCroix. It's a side hustle for a lot of people or it's something that maybe is their full-time job, but they're not like trained professionals in the way that they you- learned on the street. Yeah, in the literally. way that you think Thank of you. a taxi driver. Well, and here's the other thing too, and I, I don't- I will be upfront. I don't use Uber, just mostly because I am a creature of habit. And I started using Lyft. I've also, I won't go into detail because I don't know what it is, but I get the impression that there was some stuff. Don't quote me on that, but I like Lyft better. You're allowed to like Lyft better. Um, Pay me. Hey, Lyft, 
pay, pay me. me Lyft. But I like Lyft better. And what I really like about it is you register the driver as opposed to a lot of taxi companies where the car is registered and there is a driver driving it. Hmm. And so I think that that is different. I think it's also just like perception wise, right? When I get into a taxi, I think like, well, this is a person who has come from home, gone to work, clocked in, taken the taxi out. Right. We've all seen the TV show Taxi. I have culturally observed the TV show Taxi. Right. And it is a workplace <laughs> as opposed to me picturing someone like getting off work or like waking up and getting into their own car from their own house and going out driving for a while. You I, know I, mean? I feel like I saw a movie clip once where it was, was this maybe The Big Sick where... um it was uh, between the two partners. There was like uh, a romantical tryst, and she gets up and calls a, a Lyft driver. And is that is that the big sick? I think it is. And then Kamal Nanjiani has is like the Uber driver. Like he gets the notification <laughs> to pick her up, and he's she's in his bed. Hey, everybody, go see the big sick. Um, it, available on I don't know, probably I think Amazon. It's on, I think it's on Netflix. Okay. Um, Sue. Sue, I'm just going to say first name. Sue suggested this topic back in January. I'm sure other people have suggested it uh, since then, but Sue is the earliest one I see. Um, So I want to talk about this, too, because, like, I will say, right, when I get into a taxi, I can think of maybe one time in all the times I've ever taken a taxi, mostly in New York, that the driver was talkative to me. We got a lot of questions and we'll hit on this a little mm-hmm. bit. I like to get in a car and zone out looking at my phone. Mm-hmm. And there are, especially when you're talking about like rideshare Lyft drivers, it varies. Some of them you get in and they say, hi, okay, where are you going? Great. And then they don't talk to you again. I love that. But I don't know how to say to the person when I get in, like, I'm perfectly fine with a nice quiet car. Thank you very much. But that's because of me and not because of you. I'm sure you're great and have many interesting things to say. I just don't like small talk, but I'm sure. You know what? In fact, tell me about your dog. <laughs> well, we, we'll definitely get to that. Um, but first, I'd like to uh, paint you a context picture. Oh, okay. Let me close my mind's eye. Okay. No, wait. So, open my Let me open my, close my real eye. Open my mind's eye. Archaeologists have Uh found evidence of horse-drawn carts existing in prehistoric times, right? Nobody really, like, is is debating that. But Uh the idea of the aristocracy owning and employing and using coaches specifically for travel and not for business um, goes back to, like, the 15th century. Okay. And the... those coaches were driven by coachmen and had dedicated servants for like, so the coachman was the driver and he maintained the coach um, and also took care of the horses. See, okay, this is another reason I wanted to talk about this because we talked about the history a little bit before recording the episode. And I think what's interesting is when you think about the idea of a driver, right? Like you just said, it didn't, it wasn't always just like someone who drove your car. It was also like they knew about maintenance and they knew how to care for living, breathing animal horses, right? Those were coachmen. Yes. Right. That, but, they were often skilled in husbandry. So yes. like that was a very specialized skill set as opposed to today where like I don't have to, 
I don't have to make sure my car is happy <laughs> for it to, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have to care for my car the same way that you would have to care for horses. And even if you do, there are now mechanics, like, everywhere that I could stop at and get that stuff taken care of. So and I, I definitely don't. follow you. But here is where the coachman and the chauffeur diverge. Okay. Okay. In 1886... That's when motorized cars really started replacing coaches in aristocratic homes. Um, And so a lot of families who employed domestic servants attempted to retrain their coachmen to turn them into chauffeurs. Uh Uh-huh. Because the job is very similar where you're driving people from one place to another. But... People didn't understand cars and people had been using horses for a very long time. And it is it was something that um, that aristocrats were often trained to do was ride horses. Right. This was one of their their pastimes. Well, but, not only that, horses also are a lot more. They have self-preservation. In exactly. A way that cars are, like if you try to take a horse to a cliff, it probably it resists. Yeah. Or like if you tried to, you know, once a horse has gone up and down the same road a bunch of times. You know, it's not going to like suddenly veer. You know what I mean? Like as opposed to a car where a car doesn't learn the way. I'm saying maybe we should all go back to horses. (laughs) But in a very respectful, like let's treat horses kindly and not like, you know, in busy city streets, make them pull carriages and inhale fumes and stuff. Maybe not that. Not that. But like treat them like awesome, majestic beasts that barely tolerate us. You get on that, okay? Okay, I'm working on it. But chauffeurs... I've been doing an eight-year-long kind of campaign for horses on my other show. Anyways. Are you done? Yeah. So chauffeurs um, were in charge of maintaining the cars, but because people, normal people, everyday people, didn't understand how the whole thing worked, they kind of had a leg up on their employers, right? Right. And so a lot of people tried to retrain their coachmen to become chauffeurs, but it didn't really it didn't really work. Yeah. Because skill set. it's a different skill set. Exactly. So it's a lot easier to have someone who maybe was already very mechanically minded, you know, a younger person perhaps who was uh, on the up and up and knew this kind of stuff and was interested in this kind of stuff. Whereas a lot of coachmen were uh, of the older persuasion and they had been taking care of horses all their lives, things like that. So it didn't always really work out that you way. You also have to think, we're talking early automobiles here where they still have like wooden parts and stuff. Exactly. So fairly finicky. Not that cars today don't break down, but like... Well, the very first cars were steam powered. Yeah. They weren't even powered by gasoline. Um, and maybe we should go back to that. Maybe we should treat our cars with respect and the earth with respect. And horses. Hi, I'm Travis McRae for Horses and Steam. Vote Travis. So what a lot of people did, um, they found someone usually still in their employee, but not as a coachman, someone, some other domestic servant. And in order for them to learn how to take care of the cars, they would send them to the factory where their car was being made to learn about it. Sometimes like two months to learn about these cars. So admittedly, the little bit that I know about like this is from research we've done for this show, Down Abbey, and another period. 
But it's interesting <laughs> to me that what you are learning as a chauffeur is like a usable, like, it's a skill outside of just housekeeping. Like, mm-hmm. that you're learning a very practical. That's what I'm looking for. That, like, you know, that, but then again, it I guess almost, I want, It feels like a tradesman's job. Right. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. Is what you're talking I mean, about. because it is like a mechanic, right? You're learning right. something very specific and very, uh, still today, very useful and very prized. It's just, it's so interesting to me that, like, in working, not only do you get a job, but you also are being trained by your employer. Mm-hmm. It just seems like a pretty sweet deal, all things considered. And like I said, because this was a skill set, um, there there were some problems early on. Um, chauffeurs would are not being used constantly. You're not having to continually stake a fire in the car. You really only have to do it. Uh, sorry, stoke a fire uh, in a car. You really only have to do it when it's being used, right? So there have been instances, especially in large cities, of the chauffeurs taking the cars for joyrides without their the the car's owner. And so there's a lot of litigation in the early uh, 1900s trying to decide who is responsible for the damages, one to the car, to um, to any like passengers, to any pedestrians. People got hit a lot. Um, you know what's interesting? Carts got turned over. Horse, horses got scared because this was a whole new thing. What's amazing about this is how cyclical history is. Mm-hmm. Because we talked about on trends like these, we were talking about that there was a smart car, not a smart car, you know, uh, one of the self-driving cars mm-hmm. that was involved in an accident. And it turned out like it was, uh, at least as far as I know from my research into it, it was not uh, the fault of the smart of the uh, of self-driving car. But what's interesting is Brent and I got into a whole discussion about if a self-driving car gets into an accident, is the owner of the car liable or is the manufacturer of the car liable because exactly. they programmed the driver. And that's the same thing that happened at the turn of the century with chauffeurs. Um, they would take the car out without permission. They would sometimes ferry other passengers without permission to make money on the sly. <gasps> they would ride share. <gasps> yeah. Um, and so there, there needed to be a lot more um, legislation. And slowly, as more and more people began to drive their own cars, um, this sort of thing fell out of favor uh, because, you know, as cars became more affordable, not everybody wanted to employ a driver. And a lot of the litigation I mentioned earlier had to do with um, there were laws regarding, quote, domestic staff, but there were lots of different ways to define that because domestic staff usually lived in the home with the people that they were employed by. They usually ate their food, slept in their beds, all that kind of stuff, whereas a chauffeur often slept in the same um, outbuilding as the car because the chauffeur was expected to be ready and willing and able to jump out of bed and fix the car, get it ready to go. Um, So they often built out buildings. Like a garage? Like a garage, but with a separate little area above the garage or next to it to house a person and maybe even their family. Mm -hmm. 
So that was a lot of uncharted territory. And I think that with ride shares, we're kind of wading back into those waters um, because if a driver is found to be unsuitable in a, in a ride share, who is at fault? Is it the, the company who hired them? Is it them specifically? And how do we protect ourselves from that kind of thing? So it's, like you said, it's pretty cyclical. Um, I will also say before we uh, head into break, Teresa and I are big fans of Rideshare. We, for a long, 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 long time, until the baby was born, for like five years, we shared one car. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially when we lived in Los Angeles, we Rideshare, ride. We ride shored, I think. Is the, <laughs> now used we, ride share services. Yeah, we used it a lot. And I have found it. Let me just say, this is my little uh, pitch slash soapbox. When it is working properly and being driven by people who are, are well, I'll just say it, are not skeezy, um, it is, I think, a brilliant uh, kind of program because one I think it's safer I love that there's something affordable and available and easily used um, to help combat things like drunk driving or people being stranded places and that kind of thing I think it's absolutely brilliant that said I do think it takes a lot of monitoring and a lot of self-monitoring in order for it to work at its highest possible level and mm-hmm. not be dangerous and not be uncomfortable for passengers or drivers. Right. Uh, and to be safe. So I think that it is definitely kind of a double-edged sword um, of that. It can be both incredibly beneficial, but also if not, you know, monitored well, could turn dangerous for either involved. So I'm not going to say like rideshare is perfect. I definitely think it's something that if developed and continues to grow positively could end up being incredibly beneficial to the world. Let's do some thank you notes. Okay, yes, let's. This week, Schmanners is sponsored in part by Prep Dish. So, Prep Dish is this really awesome idea uh, where it is a subscription-based meal planning service, right? Yes. So Go if on. you are a meal prepper, a uh-huh. meal planner. Now, what if you're a doomsday prepper? I mean, I guess you could probably use this too. Oh, great. It's cool, got great cool. recipes. All right. So this is going to help you step-by-step become efficient in your meal planning and prepping in your kitchen. So every week, they email a grocery list and recipes. That include, for every person, gluten-free, dairy-free, paleo meal options, and there are other great substitutions, like if you don't eat pork. You, they give substitutions for like maybe ground turkey. Um, uh, if you don't, if maybe you're pescatarian, then they give substitutions where you can use use tilapia for this or use orange ruffie. Those are fish. Hey, Teresa. Yeah. What do you call an annoying person who only eats fish? A, a, it's so close. A pester. A pesky uh, That is bad. <laughs> that was a bad joke I just did. So with the help of this prep dish list and recipe, um, you can take your whole prepping 
and squish it down to just a couple hours on the weekend. If you're like me, it's one of my favorite things in the world to know. Listen, I we all wish we had time to spontaneously like throw open the doors of our pantry slash refrigerator and like whip up some amazing thing from like, but listen, we don't, right? I love being able to say, ah, you know what we're going to have tonight? This and this and this and make it, or even better, what I personally love is having stuff already made, especially for like lunch. Oh yeah. I love like walking to the fridge, opening, there's the meal, it's done, it's ready to go and I'm ready to eat. And then like, I love that. This is really great for that because a lot of the recipes are kind of bulk recipes like frittatas and lasagnas and things like that that you can cut up and portion and eat all week, not have to worry about it. So you can let Prep Dish do your meal planning for you with a free two-week trial. So you can go to PrepDish.com slash Schmanners. That's P-R-E-P-D-I-S-H dot com slash S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S. And have a no-brainer meal prep experience. We're also sponsored this week by Rover. Teresa and I are proud pet owners. And I'm not talking about BB (laughs) Because she is a child and not our pet. Whereas we do have a dog. We do. We have a dog and a cat. Um, and here's the thing I will say, uh, we do work from home, but we also travel a lot and it's always a concern when you know you're going to be away and you're like, I hope someone can come take care of my dog. And if you, you know, I remember when we both worked at the theater and like, if we knew we were going to be there all day, having to call a friend, call around and say, Hey, is anybody available to go let the dog out and feed her? And, oh, we feel so bad. Well, let me tell you about Rover. So Rover is the largest network of five-star pet sitters and dog walkers in North America. Whether you need in-home dog boarding, pet sitting, dog walking, or daycare, Rover connects pet parents with dog people who will treat their pets like family. And it's always so nice to have somebody come to you instead of boarding your dog. Right. Not that there's anything wrong with boarding your dog, but sometimes that's not the option you want. Exactly. And I will say, like, we are both a dog and a cat owner, and our cat is, doesn't do well in boarding. It makes her very anxious, right. you know? And so, it, and listen, I just want to say, as a multiple pet home, cats also like having people around sometimes. They it's may not true. act like it. They may be all aloof and be like, oh, I'm a cat, meow, meow. But sometimes cats like having people around, so it's nice Sometimes just to have someone sit on the couch and let the cat walk across them like they don't care, but they do, let's be honest. (laughs) So Rover offers access to reviewed, trusted pet sitters and dog walkers for every dog, owner, and lifestyle. And only 20% of sitters who begin their profiles are ultimately accepted to become Rover pet sitters. Ooh, it seems like it's hard to get in. Right, so it means it's only the best. This isn't just like whoever's of it, whatever, we'll take them all. They know how important your pets are to you and how important... The, the person who comes and watches it is. So you can trust Rover Pet Sitters. I love this because, like, the idea of having someone check in on Buttercup, not just like, hey, are you doing okay? Here's some food, bye. But, like, play with her and get her wiggles out and, like, make sure that she feels engaged and that someone was there. I just love this. And to do it in your own home so, like, you don't have to, ah, it's wonderful. So, for $25 off your first booking, visit rover.com slash schmanners and use the promo code schmanners during checkout. That's R-O-V-E-R dot com slash schmanners and then use the promo code schmanners. Hey, this is John Roderick of America. I know that guy. He also made the theme song for My Brother, My Brother and Me. 
And you've teamed up with uh, your friend Adam and a uh, guy you also know, Ben Harrison. Hey, That's me. you're my friend. Uh, and we make a uh, war movie podcast called Friendly Fire. Now, you may be turned off by the premise right then and there. But you would be wrong. <laughs> well, it's because it's about so much more than war or war films. War movies are also a great window into filmmaking and the way our culture thinks of itself and other cultures think of themselves. So listen to Friendly Fire on MaximumFun.org every Friday or get it wherever you get podcasts. You never know who you'll run into in Fairhaven, the city under the bubble. Allison Becker. Eliza Skinner. Keith Powell. Mucus-drenched imp monsters. Rob Corddry. Christelle Alonzo. Judy Greer. Grotesquely possessive carnivorous plants. Justin McElroy. Travis McElroy. Griffin McElroy. Terrifying, malevolent, sentient beards. John Hodgman. Paul F. Tompkins. Lisa Loeb. Bubble, the sci-fi comedy from MaximumFun.org. Just open your podcast app and search for Bubble. So we're going to talk about, but I do want to say, like, we keep saying rideshare, but I also think a lot of this is included. Listen, I've had some people, not me, but I've had some people not you. for things. Well, like when we did the premiere of the My Brother, My Brother and Me TV show, CISO had a car pick me up, which was nice. Mm. And when we did, uh, when we did, oh, what was it? Oh, no. <gasps> Stick with me, folks. At midnight, a driver picked us up to take us to At Midnight. And I think it's a very similar experience. And and I would actually say it has a whole different set of mores where you're not only now are you in the social interaction of like, there is a person driving me, but it's also usually feels a little fancier too. So like that can put you kind of at edge, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? In general, here's my thing. This is something I've probably said on this show a lot, but my advice is like, you're not the first person this person has ever picked up and like, it's don't worry about it just enjoy your time in the car and then get out and say thank you also most of those kinds of things like a car service the tip has already been paid for in the fee you Mm -hmm. don't have to tip the person um but if that so make sure you read the fine print and figure out uh when you contract someone if the tip is included right and if you're nervous about it at all i think it's once again always better to ask and say like Hey, I'm just curious. This is my first time using a car service. Is tip included in the fare? Right? But like it's it's fine to ask. We just sometimes feel uncomfortable asking about money because we are awkward, awkward people. Uh, okay, let's do some questions. Great. This is from John. Is it okay to sit in the back seat and not talk aside from a short hello? Absolutely it is. And I would suggest that if you are uh, averse to a, a lengthy discussion, you should sit in the back seat. That is a really great physical cue to let the driver know that you want a chill ride. I also think that if it starts to border into not just like, eh, I don't feel, but into like an anxiety thing, which as I get older and older and my anxiety manifests more and more, that is what I feel when I get into a car <laughs> with a stranger. I think it's okay to like have some earbuds mm-hmm. and say like, hey, I'm just going to be listening to my book or my podcast or whatever. If you need me, just like wave or let me know and then pop them in. You know what I mean? Establish to them 
this is the scenario that's happening. Now, I also think it is important that if you do that or if you sit in the back and don't talk, that you still tip well and like mm-hmm. rate well. So mm-hmm. you make it clear like that was my choice that I did not want to talk. I would also say sit diagonally in the back instead of directly behind the driver. That way, if you have your earbuds in, you, can, you won't miss um, visual cues. And, you know, that said, if you do feel in the mood, to, I, I've had some great conversations with uh with Lyft drivers before. And so it's not that I am completely against the idea of talking to them, but sometimes you don't feel like it, you know, and, and that's absolutely fine. This is OK. I'm going to try to phrase this in a way that doesn't sound uh well, doesn't make me sound like a jerk, but it is a service that you are paying for. And this is where I do think the phrase the customer is always right kind of fits in. The rest of it should be as someone who worked retail for many years, the customer is always right, parentheses, within reason, in parentheses. (laughs) But I think if you as the customer want to just sit in the back and look at your phone, yeah, totally. Like it's you're you're paying for the service, right? They're not doing you a favor. You're paying for the service. So I think that that is fine. Can I tell you that in L.A. when I was pregnant, I would often lay down in the back seat because I was just so tired and bloated and huge. So <laughs> so I would often say, hey, I am really pregnant. I'm just going <laughs> to lean over for a little bit here. If you could just pretend like I'm not back here, <laughs> that would be great. Um, this question is from Ty. I always follow along with my driver's route on my phone just in case they go awry or take a long way around. But I never know how to politely bring up that they are taking a bad route without seeming accusatory. Well, um, when you first get in the car, I suggest that you ask them what GPS they're using, GPS service, if they're using Google Maps, Apple Maps, um, Waze was a thing that a lot of people in LA used. Um, and if you have one that you that you prefer, let them know. Ask them to use that one. Um, it's not really a problem. A lot of people have a lot of those different ones on their phone. I know I have all three on my phone right now. So you should be able to say, oh, what what directions app are you using? Would you mind using Google Maps instead? Great. That's one way. Another way, if you find that they are veering off course, you can say, uh, I really would like to take the highway. Can we get back on, please? Something like that. Um, And I don't think that it is, you know, outside of the scope of the customer service part of this industry for you to ask to turn a different way. Um, I know that in movies, we see that the taxi driver gets really offended when you say, I want you to take 15th all the way up. Things like that. Um, all of that car. Right. <laughs> I say what? Listen, if you're listening to this and you have ever jumped into a Lyft or an Uber or a taxi or anything and said, follow that car, please tweet at us <laughs> at Shannon's cast. I've never done it. I Okay, this is a true rideshare story. I almost did. Oh, really? Yes. In... LA just recently when we were there for the D&D thing dad left his wallet and phone in a cab and like so I had find my friends turned on so I could track where the phone was Mm -hmm. and I called a lift and they had the cab had stopped at a grocery store like just a couple blocks away so I called the lift I jumped in the lift I was like here's the deal and it's like 1am and I was like here's the deal so then I told them the whole story and by the time the lift started moving 
the cab had pulled away somewhere else. And I thought, like, I could have this Lyft drive around. I was like, no. And I so I just said, like, I'm so sorry. And I just canceled the Lyft and got out of it. I felt so bad. They were very understanding. But it was so late. And I was so tired. And then my dad got his phone and wallet back. And everything was fine. So we don't need to worry about it. Happy ending. Uh, this question is from Kelly. What should you do if the car or driver are not up to par? Example, the car reeks of cigarettes and the driver insists on leaving the windows open even when the weather outside is unpleasant. Should I cancel the ride even after I'm in the car? Submit a complaint after the ride? Question mark. Um, I think that there are a couple of ways you can go about this. Um, you can end the ride anytime you choose. Uh, if you, For the example of the windows down thing, you can just say... I've decided to get out here and have them pull over. They will end their ride on on their app and you'll end it on yours and you'll go your separate ways and wait a few minutes, call another lift. I will also say that I think that there's a difference, both both viable, but um, I think there's a difference between like, oh, this car is a little unclean and I don't feel safe. Exactly. Um, like if the driver seems intoxicated or if you just feel unsafe and uncomfortable being in the car with them for any reason i think it is completely okay to cancel that to say like oh you know actually could we make a stop here real quick i just need to grab something and then like cancel the ride and don't get back in the car you know or i don't know if you have to lie well that's just my my inclination is always to obfuscate and say like oh you know actually i just remembered I don't need to go to the store anymore <laughs> or whatever. Like, that's my inclination. But If it were me, I would say, I'm really uncomfortable. I need to get out. And that's not a lie. That's the truth. And I think that if someone were, if I were to say that to someone, or I mean, if someone were to say that to me, I would think, oh, they're feeling ill. They're going to be sick. I don't want them in my car. You could also say, listen, here's the thing. I also... I think you're right, but I also could see a circumstance in which the reason you feel uncomfortable also makes you feel uncomfortable saying, I am uncomfortable. Okay. At which point, you have mine and Teresa, you have your internet parents' permission to lie to that driver and say, I have to use the bathroom so bad right now. <laughs> or I'm going to be sick. Right, and have them pull over somewhere and you hop out and then you cancel the ride and you don't get back in the car. Right. right? If you feel threatened or unsafe... And you don't feel comfortable telling them that you want to get out of the car? Lie your face off. That is okay. Um, Now, I do want to talk about ratings a little bit because the question asker asked about that. Um, So there are a couple things and you should actually read uh, the rating system for whatever rideshare you're using. I know with Lyft, anything less then a five-star rating is a negative review. Um, so if everything was just fine, that's five stars. If things started to go a little south, uh, you have the opportunity to use that. Um, I wouldn't say that I would go so far as to use a one-star. That is not something that I would personally do. Unless. Un- unless, unless I felt unsafe. Like, oh, this was unsafe. This person is right. should not be allowed to drive yeah, but for cigarettes or for this uh, the window thing or too loud music or or things like that, um, I would give a four star, and you can actually write to say, 
uh, I found the car was smelly or something like that. I think I cannot stress enough how important it is to leave the feedback comments, right? Because especially if this is a person who's trying to make their living doing this, right? Leaving just a four or three or two star review without telling them why, like I I think that you know it seems con- kind of mean, right? Offer constructive criticism of like the music was very violent and loud, right? And then they know to stop doing that, mm-hmm. right? Um, and if you don't like the music, you should just ask for them to change the music. Most people will do that. Yeah. And also, the other side of that, too, because I think that there's a natural inclination to only leave reviews, like, write something when it's bad. Mm-hmm. If they did a great job and you give them five stars, it's okay. To, like, I encourage you to also leave positive feedback. And Absolutely. Positive and with Lyft, they do have tipping available on their app. I know that in a lot of cities, Uber does, too. Um, but Ubers and taxi drivers, um, most people, most of them are okay with accepting cash tip. So yes. you can do that too. Um, other just in general things, I think don't, let me tell you a secret. Don't ever feel bad calling a lift for like a short drive. You know, like I've been in that position before. Where I'm like, well, this is only like, oh, this is like a five minute drive or, but here's the thing. A lot of ride share services, and I don't know about them, but I know Lyft does this. There will be a lot of like uh, special reward programs for drivers who pick up a certain amount of rides mm-hmm. in a given period of time. No matter how little they are. Right. And so like you're not inconveniencing them picking up X amount in one day could get them a bonus or whatever. And plus, that's what they're there for. So... I know, especially with tipping, a lot of drivers would rather pick up a bunch of very short rides and be tipped than like one long ride and get an okay to, you know what I mean? Like, Not to say that you couldn't use a rideshare service for a long drive. We correct. often would use them for going to the airport, which yeah, is I would pretty say, far for us. I would say, somebody asked like distance, and I would say like, well, depends. so like if you're in Chicago, New York, L.A., an hour is a different amount of time. It's true. But I would say, like, here in Cincinnati, I would feel uncomfortable using rideshare for a drive over an hour long. Right? That feels... Unless I tipped them really well. Because we could get to the next city in an hour. And the other thing... Yeah, that's true. I could, like, go from here to, like, Louisville almost in an hour, here to Indianapolis in an hour. Right. But the thing to keep in mind so you don't feel bad about it is when you request the ride, they see where it's going. Yes, I do suggest that you do that. So make sure that you enter your destination. So if a driver is not interested in going to the airport today, they can decline the ride. I also think along those same lines, do not feel bad because I've had to do this before where you've requested a ride and it says like, well, they'll be here in five minutes. And then the car seems not to move for a while because what has probably happened is they were not actually ready to leave the place they were at and accepted the ride. If it if it's like the car stays sitting there for five minutes, cancel that ride and, and request another one. I've had that happen to me so many times. And it's so frustrating. Don't feel bad about it. They're not doing a good job. Um, <laughs> let's see. Another question. Uh, this is a question from Valerie. Is it rude to sing along to the radio in an Uber? I wonder if it affects your passenger ratings. No. <laughs> I say it's not. You know, here's the thing. I it, wouldn't. I think that you should read the room. Yes. Do the thing where if you if your driver looks uncomfortable with your singing, you should like back it up. 
back it way up and just kind of like hum or jam a little a little silently to yourself. It's so but, subjective. But if they seemed into it, I mean, like, why I one not? time had a Lyft driver Live yell at me. Life. I had a Lyft driver yell at me for using my phone. What? And told me to keep it down. Yeah. Um, which I found very frustrating. Told you to keep it down? Yeah. Told me to keep it down Were using you my phone. Listening to you? No, I was on a phone call. Oh. And they asked me if I could, uh, in the phone call and call them back when the ride was done. Yeah, so that that wasn't cool. Well, okay. I can I can foresee a circumstance where that might be necessary if the um if the traffic was particularly harrowing, uh maybe this driver needed to concentrate. I mean, maybe I will say they did it in a very rude way. Right. What uh, they should have said was I'm sorry, I'm finding it difficult to concentrate on the on the road. Can you end your phone call and pick it back up later? What they said is, hey, can you keep it down? That was it. That I was, didn't care that. For was that was probably not the but best But you know way. what? Still gave five stars and tipped 20% because mm-hmm. I'm a huge old pushover. <laughs> uh, one last question. This is from Cosmic Blondie. What are appropriate conversation topics a rider should talk about with a driver to diffuse any awkwardness? Okay. Here's my advice. Okay. If it's a Lyft driver, a rideshow driver, ask like, so how long have you been driving? Do you like driving? Oh, what's your experience? You know what I mean? Ask about their experience driving. Okay. I, that has always been a huge opener of conversation for me if I feel the need to talk to the driver or distract from a topic they've brought up. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, something along those lines. Um, here's, I will say that the couple of times I have used like a car service, I like to say, um, you know, could you turn it to NPR? I love catching up on the news, right? And then having something playing, especially voices talking playing, it's a really great way to kind of fill the air so it doesn't so no one feels like they have to talk. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, I think that the normal things of conversation, the weather, the traffic, where you're going, where you're from, things like that are all very safe. Um, I would stay away from like highly emotional things. Don't talk politics. Don't talk politics. Um, But also like... Don't spill your guts over your breakup or or something like that, because that tends to make people uncomfortable. Um, I know that it's it's kind of a it's a false closeness that we create when you get in a vehicle with someone. And so uh, you may feel like you can talk to them a little more openly, but I would suggest that you keep it more to like elevator talk. I think in general. That is a really good general rule to keep in mind. Um, especially, I mentioned earlier that ride share is a really great option to avoid drinking and driving. That said, keep in mind that you are getting into the car with a stranger, right? And and yeah, I'm not saying you can't trust anybody, but you are getting into a car with a stranger. I don't know that I would be comfortable doing that on my own. You know what I mean? So, If like, you were intoxicated? Yeah, yeah. And so it's definitely a thing like it is not they are not a robot. They're just to do this job. You know, this is a person. Uh, it's it just that little that little keep that piece of 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 truth in your mind. Hey, everybody, be careful out there. Yeah, be careful about out there. We care about you and 
We don't want anybody to get hurt. And so, once again, I will say, if you feel uncomfortable, if you feel unsafe, it is okay to get out of that situation. Not just in rideshare and driving, just in life in general. <laughs> it's okay to get out of there. But I know that the the news cycle, the 24-hour news cycle, is, is a little... Um, Oh, man, it's a downer these days. There are a lot of good people out there, too. Yeah. So, yeah, be wary. What? Be wary. Not, I don't know. Be wary. Be aware. Be open. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> we'll come up with the catchy yeah, slogan like, later. Be wary, but don't let it stop you from going outside. That's kind of, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a pithy way to say it, you know? Like, be wary, not scary. But that doesn't work. That's not what I mean. Oh, we need to workshop this some more. I know. Because I was trying to figure out a way to say, like, be wary, but don't beware. But, like, that, that's, <laughs> that's nothing. That's nothing. <laughs> that doesn't work. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. So that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, uh, So today, I think, yeah, today, the 12th, Bubble is premiering. So it should be out any day now. Bubble is a new podcast kind of sitcom thing from Max Fun. Features an amazing cast of voice talent, including the McRoy Brothers. Um, you can check that out on Maximum Fun and check out all the other amazing shows on MaximumFun.org. They are all incredible. If you have any ideas for topics, do not hesitate to email them to us. SchmannersCast at gmail.com. That's how we got this topic. Uh, and every week when we pick a topic, we will tweet it out so that you can ask questions. Thank you to everybody who submitted questions for this one. So follow us on Twitter at... At SchmannersCast. Um, let's see. Who else do we think? You can also submit your suggestions through Facebook. Um, although I don't I don't always go through every thread. Um, because... The best way is email. The best way is email. Because the Facebook group is a fan-run group where you can actually get those questions answered by other Schmanners fanners. Um, so join that Facebook group. We want to say thank you to Kaylee Weiss... Keely Weiss Photography for that Facebook banner. It's a beautiful picture of us. Also, thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. And thank you to Brent Brentelfloss Black for making our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are sold. Okay, and that's going to do it for us. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.